for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, Matt, well, hmm, has uh, all the stuff that's going on in D.C. and around our country and turmoil and strife and division and uh, worrying about nuclear weapons and, and impeachment and insurrection, has that made it covering sports locally here in South Dakota, getting back to your jackbeat? Has that made things better for you or does it all seem so trivial to you? Um, well, it's certainly not trivial. I think the toughest thing has just been like on Wednesday in particular, it was just kind of hard to not be distracted. You know how anytime there's something that's, you know, potentially a, you know, a day of infamy in this country or whatever, whether it's 9-11 or, you know, anything else that kind of rises to that level. And I'm not sure that this does, but still just once you kind of saw what was going on and that, um, you know, this was a national story and, you know, something might happen to the vice president or the president or whatever, like it was just hard to work, you know, and I, and I don't remember what it was exactly that day, but I had some stuff due that day. And I just kind of remember being like, really, like I have to sit here and write about sports and be reading this stuff and do it on this. Like, I feel like I should just be watching the news and me too. So it, was, it was hard. It was hard to, I mean, to not be distracted by it and, and let it kind of, you know, uh, my partner, Jen, is much more uh, politically inclined than I am. She watches the news every day, no matter what. And I often give her a hard time about that. I'm all, you know, I always try and tell her, like, you know, don't worry about things you can't control. And this doesn't affect us. And, you know, this is watching cable news on TV. will rot your brain, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of made an exception for it that day. I mean, the, the two of us kind of sat down in front of the TV on the couch together and watch you know flip back and forth between cnn and fox news and cs msnbc and all of them all night long well into the morning just to kind of see what was going on and i think by the next day once you know cooler heads had prevailed and the 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 capital had been retaken and the senate had gone on with their jobs then it was a little easier to like okay back to work but for that one day it was a little bit like Woo. It was it was distracting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. I I actually had things to work on, believe it or not. I had games to get ready for for Thursday, two of them Thursday, and then two this weekend on the road. And uh, same thing. Cable uh, news can be junk food for the most part, and but for but for you and I as well, we were both journalism majors in the media, so we're also kind of curious how this is being covered as well. I don't know about you, but that was that was part of me too. Is not just what's going on um, and dramatic images, all of that, they, you know, they will never forget, but also, okay, what, what's this? What are they saying? What are they saying? How are they doing right. this? Yeah. So, it's yeah. uh, so, okay. For, so sports did for three or four days, we seem like, eh, this is, I, I can't get into this, but then it seemed like a nice retreat, especially over the weekend. And uh, although there was, there was very little of me, that had much interest in last night's national championship game. We've talked about this two or three times this fall since the podcast started in September. Uh, and it's partly because we haven't had any local football here. Jacks, Yotes, USF, Augie. And there's bad news on that front in a moment. But 
I, just I have never cared so less, and it and it has never seemed more predictable. And even Alabama, Ohio State, the two juggernauts. I. I had, a, I had a high school basketball game to do last night. Number one, Washington, and number two, Yankton. Matthew Moore is one of the best players of all time. And th- there were there would be some years of my life, Zim, where I'd be like, oh, God, I have to, really? I have to go do this thing for work and local high school hoops, and, and, and I'm going to miss Alabama, Ohio State. I couldn't have been ha- happier. I could have been <laughs> like, good, good. I have some, This is better. This is this is in person. This is better. This is going to be more interesting, and it was a fun game. And then when I got done with it, it was already Alabama forty-five to twenty or something like that. And I'm like, oh, great. So, uh, what about you? I mean, what was your interest level? Did you watch? Yeah, I did most uh, at least the first half. Um, basically, once college football, I didn't watch any college football during the regular season, really. Yeah. Uh, other than I watched a couple of Longhorns games because. Uh, living in Austin for a while, you know, I kind of tried to trick myself into being a Longhorns fan. I always kind of have been, I guess, but that didn't go so well. The Gophers stunk this year. Making fun of Nebraska and hate watching them only goes so far for me. So <laughs> I really just didn't, like I said, hardly watched any. I, I kind of was like, dude, you know, you, you always have to work on on Saturdays in the fall. This is finally this year you don't, you know, don't sit around watching college football games you don't care about all day Saturday. So I kind of tried to get away from it. And, uh, but then when it got to the end and, uh, um, you know, the actual playoffs, I was like, okay, now I'm going to check in kind of and, and watch these games. Hopefully, you know, now that you're down to the four best teams, there'll be good games. There'll be elite players. These will, you know, this is, if you're going to tune in, now's the time. And uh, none of the games were really any good. And then uh, I kind of hoped, you know, Ohio State, what they did in the semifinals kind of made you think, oh, okay, you know, maybe there's something here and maybe this will be a great game. And it was for a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half. And uh, that was exciting. I was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm glad I tuned into this. It looks like it's going to be one of those college football games that just a few years ago seemed to happen every week, you know, where you had these games that were tremendously entertaining and evenly matched and back and forth and dramatic and, you know, amazing finishes. And that, that just seemed to be... I mean, I'm answering your question kind of backwards, but yeah. you know, I've always been an NFL guy. I always have been, yeah. and I've always kind of looked at college football a little bit like, all right, whatever. But within the last five or six years or so, I had kind of started to come around, not because I, you know, lost any interest in the NFL or even started thinking college football is a superior product. I don't. Um, but it was just getting hard to ignore how every single Saturday, yeah, there's 150 games or whatever, so that makes it, you know, there's a bigger sample size. But mm-hmm. there were just so yeah. many good games all the time that I was like, you know, I got to start paying attention to this. I got to start when I would get home from Brookings at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night, tune in and see what I missed. Yeah. If the Jacks played a day game, get home, you know, watch the other games. If the Jacks played a night game, you know, tune into the 11 and 12 o'clock games on ABC. And I was really starting to kind of become a convert. And now just in the last couple of years – it feels like right when college football was on the cusp of, of really capitalizing on that, maybe making it permanent, and then it, you know bringing in a, a fourteen playoff, everything was going great. It's really been deflating the last couple of years, and then you throw the pandemic on top of it, which this year obviously ruined it for a lot of people. I mean, Ohio State's playing in the national championship with a seven and zero record. You know, mm-hmm. that's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so many teams just quit halfway through the season when they realized they couldn't win anything, and then Alabama is the one team that everything was pretty much business as usual for them. They got in 13 games, ran the table. Nick Saban's won seven national championships now. 
And when you kind of got to that realization last night, when they went up, I think, 35-17 at halftime, I mean, it wasn't over at that point. Part of me was holding up hope that maybe this will be that game where you get that dramatic comeback and that wild finish and everyone's talking about it for years and years. But I just kind of knew better, you know? I was like, that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And it was a extremely boring game, and especially the second half, deflating. And there was just no sense of, oh, man, I'm sad college football was over. If anything, yeah. it was like, oh, good, I'm glad it's over. Yeah, me too. And I want to appreciate the greatness of Alabama, whatever athletes they have. But it, And, if, you know, they're a scoring explosion. They used to be it about 10 years ago when Saban was getting started dominating there. It was they were eye set, ground and pound, kind of boring offense and lockdown defense. And a lot of their games are boring. Now they at least score a bunch, but it, it just kind of looks like everything else in football now where it's so easy to score. But I, I can't, like, when the Golden State Warriors were winning three or four NBA titles in a row, I tuned in for the finals every year, and especially when they were playing LeBron and other people were getting bored with it, and I wasn't. I'm like, hey, we've got, this is Ali Frazier, we got a few different rounds of this, just appreciate the moment, and uh, again, the elite, uh, f- athletic fun that Le- LeBron and Steph Curry and all this is, and but I, I I have become easily bored with Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. It's just it's so predictable that I can't even enjoy the games. Like good for them that they got this good that nobody can beat them except for each other. It seems like now, but it's just it. it I have less interest in even turning it on, and I feel like a real sports Grinch, like a real grouch for that. I don't. It, it doesn't make me feel very good, but it, it's. Uh, it's not it's it's not drawing me in. I didn't you know, when I got done with my game, it was like it was halftime of the college football national title game last night, and I didn't race home to watch the rest of it. And by the time I got home it was uh It was over. It was over. So okay, whatever. Like I remember watching Alabama one of those Alabama Clemson games with you, uh, the national title game two or three years ago at your place. And even that, like we were mostly socializing most of the time. I think it was a blowout anyway, but it was kind of like, eh, whatever. And that's too bad. And I don't know what can be done to to fix it or to get us more interested again. Maybe just when the crowds come back and everything's at full strength and A-OK again, even though when we get to the end of the season, it's still going to be the same club uh, that the regular season will be better. But I don't, I don't have any answers right now. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's sad what it has, it has become. Uh, but the good news for those of us around here, uh, Jacks, Yotes, they're playing in late February. But then we get another bummer uh, that I don't know if it's a big surprise. But what, uh, what do you suppose went into no Augie and no USF? Well, uh, the NCAA announced a long time ago that there will be no division two championship, no division two football playoffs. So that kind of killed it essentially for, for almost everybody. Now, a lot of schools played a few games in the fall. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Um, you know, I think black Hill state um, and uh, uh, South Dakota tech got in a couple games this fall, which at the time seemed a little odd you know like why are these two division two schools the ones out west that we kind of forget about why are they doing it well now it almost looks like maybe that was a good idea i know they didn't get in i think they only got in three of them or something but they played some football well they had the chance and they might end up being the only ones that get to because essentially where the division two schools are left now is saying i mean the ncaa said we're not gonna have a championship so it's not even a real season so to speak so every conference then is is basically on their own and every conference 
is basically telling their teams do whatever you want. You know, if you want to go schedule games amongst yourselves, feel free, but uh, you know, we're going to stay out of it. So the games are, you know, are, do, they, do those even count as real games if you're going to do it? Are you going to have, you know, d- does Augie, USF, Northern, Southwest State, and Mankato, say, all get together and play a round robin or something? They could, but they're just not going to. I mean, there's just not um, a real good reason to when there's not going to be a championship at the end of it, when you don't know how many fans you're going to be able to invite. Um, do the games even even count, you know, towards, say, you know, the official statistics or, or record keeping or any of that? So um, it, it, it's basically a situation where they're going to be looking at having essentially glorified scrimmages if they do anything. And if the other if there's anything that, you know, Division One football has taught us this year, it's that how many schools really don't want to have football? You know, I mean, we obviously have the the Alabamas and Texases and Ohio States and all those big ones. And then even at lower levels, you have North Dakota State and South Dakota State. But you see so many schools that uh, have been opting out or opting out halfway through or canceling games for quote unquote COVID reasons when they're, gee, just about to play someone they know is going to beat the shit out of them. You know, there's been all all this kind of flaky stuff that kind of shows you a lot of schools aren't really that fired up about having football games to begin with. So you throw in, you know, a situation like this that basically incentivizes them not to play. And that's going to happen in a lot of places. So and then on top of that, you throw in the fact that, okay, if you go ahead with a spring season, I mean, obviously, D1, the, the high D1 level, they don't have to worry about that. Their season ended last night. They can all look forward now. To, they can all take a deep breath and go, oh, we got through that terrible nightmare season, whether you played six games or 13 games. Now you can go into the offseason, look forward to 2021. Well, FCS, Division Two, anyone who kicked the can down the road to the spring, well, it's spring now. I mean, not officially on the calendar, but yeah. the spring season is upon us. And if you're going to go forward with that, which several leagues are still saying they're going to, uh, okay, the, the FCS playoffs are scheduled for late April or something. Um, you get if you make it that far, then you have what May, June, July, and boom, camp starts for the 2021 fall season. That is not a lot of time for turnaround uh, when you're talking about a, a violent sport that obviously takes a big physical toll on players. And you know, we, we talk about guys just needing recovery time for bumps and bruises and stuff like that. But think about guys who, you know, suffer major knee injuries or shoulder injuries or have chronic debilitating problems. And then, you know, are they going to feel pressure to be able to to rehab in a couple of months and play again? I mean, there's all this stuff adding up that's just making it look like you just can't do this. And I think right now the FCS schools are still telling themselves they're going to do it uh, because they've been holding on to that since back in September. Um, so they're still at the, as, as we speak right now on Tuesday, January 12th, whatever day it is, they're still talking about it. I'm highly skeptical that that's going to happen. Mm. But then you, you look at NSIC schools, and it's so much different in Division Two, where almost all Division Two programs lose money by having football. Even the ones that, that have a good following, that have decent crowds, they don't make money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no reason for them to go forward with it. And so whether they end up – I talked to Jerry Oshesky and John Anderson. They're going to try to do something. You know, They're going to have spring football. Uh, where they do their your, your regular spring football, 15 practices, and then a spring game at the end. The only difference is now there's no NCAA rule saying you have to have 15 practices and, and you can have, like they can schedule two or three or four competitions is the word that's being used. They're going to try and do it. Who knows if they're going to be able to? And then who knows also 
what effect will be had on Division Two if and when uh, the FCS Division One schools end up coming to the conclusion that oh, you know what, we're not going to be able to do spring football either. Well, yeah, it kind of seems like for for all sports, but football and basketball are the ones we ever really discuss. That Division Two just kind of follows what FCS is doing, doesn't it? It just seems like that's what's been going on with. Uh, with well, it started with football. We're going to do it in the spring. Kinda. Okay, we'll do it in the spring. Although, actually, the Summit League is doing what NSIC is doing for scheduling. I don't know which came first there, but um, everybody's kind of doing the same thing, at least in these parts, whether you're Division One or Division Two for hoops. Um. So, well, the NSIC is doing the mirror schedule thing. Yeah. Well, Summit's not doing that. Summit, everyone's in the same place. So, you know, oh, actually, no. Yeah, they're flipping things. Well, kind right. of. But you're playing this. But they're both playing the same opponents in one weekend. But yeah, okay. Summit League's doing them all in the same place. Yeah. Yes, right. The men and women are playing the same place while the NSIC. It's weird. <laughs> it's it's just you know the. Well, and then even I mean, whether or not football happens, then you still got like soccer and volleyball are fall sports yeah. that the Summit League NSIC are going to try to play this spring. Mm. That seems maybe that's got a better chance of going forward just because those sports aren't as violent, Yeah, you know, and there isn't necessarily as much of a concern about turning around in time to the 21 season, but that has nothing to do with COVID, you know? I yeah. mean, that can still be a thing. So Did you just take a piss? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I thought I heard a toilet flush. <laughs> it was probably at your house. It was probably what? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm at my house right now, and oh. we got one toilet. It ain't. No, no, I maybe it was upstairs. I'm starting to hear things. Okay, I don't know my toilets are that loud. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Well, it's this is all very depressing to talk about. Uh, it is. It is. We've been, we've been kind of telling ourselves that oh, in the spring we're gonna have this crazy spring season. I, I mean, I've written five articles about that already, and uh, we still might. Yeah, I mean, the Jacks have uh, not reported for practice necessarily, but they're back in there. I think it's called winter access period or something you know we just had the recruiting class go through and the schedule is 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 out and they're they're already advertising for games and i would assume selling tickets under some format you know whatever the limited seating capacity is going to be and it's just weird and you know um i i I wasn't i didn't tweet this out and i'm not gonna write it because it's it's mostly a rumor but i'll go ahead and say it on the podcast like Indiana State announced yesterday they're opting out. They're not playing right. out of the Missouri Valley. I, I've been hearing from multiple sources that they are not the la- the only ones in the Valley that are going to do that. And you can probably guess who the other ones would be that would follow. It's not going to be North Dakota State. It's not going to be South Dakota State. You know, like we said, there are schools, whether it's Division Two or FCS, that they don't make money. <laughs> you know, football is a, a, a money loser for them. Yeah, Some it's almost like a chore. Do- yeah, they don't. They play in these giant stadiums that are ninety-five percent empty for every one of their games. Why would you go forward with that? <laughs> Missouri you know, State, if, Illinois State, stuff like that, probably. Yeah, I mean yeah. you're on the right track there. Yeah. So. Okay. Western Illinois. Yeah. 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 Okay, so if they don't play, what are the like? Say three or four more teams don't play. <laughs> now that's a loud toilet. Okay, no, I'm just fucking with you. I just did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a number one or a number two? <laughs> what levels have we stooped to? We've literally taken the podcast in the toilet. We knew these. We knew this was not going to a good place. This podcast, but we've reached a new low. It's all down the drain. Uh, 
so yeah, I mean, what are the what are the Jackson Yotes and Bison going to do? I, I I I am assuming the Yotes would be in the camp that wants to play, but yeah, especially uh, with their new you know the new ex- Dakota Dome ex- and, and all that. Yeah, exactly. they definitely want to play. So are these teams going to still try to find a way to play? And about is it going to turn into what we saw with Division One football? It's just you want to play, play, find games. If you don't want to play, don't play. I don't know. I mean, uh, going back to the the fall, um, you know, around. July, August was when I started reaching out to Stig and Bob Nielsen and anyone else and, and trying to get a feel for what do you think is going to happen? And, you know, nobody claimed to know anything, everyone, any question you asked, the answer was always, there was always that stipulation that we know everything could change. We know everything's kind of a shot in the dark. No one really knows what's going to happen, but everyone's guess, everyone's hope, everyone's assumption was that, you know, I I think we're going to pull it off. I think we're going to have football in some fashion. And it was so ubiquitously the answer that it was like, I, you know, it was hard not to think this is going to happen. There was literally no one saying this isn't going to happen. We're just not going to be able to find a way to do it. But then the NCAA swooped in and dropped these COVID requirements that no one was prepared to deal with at the time. And it was like, well, shit, game over. Well, things have changed since then. It's a lot easier to test now than it was. People mm-hmm. are starting to get a, a better handle on, you know, how to isolate, how to create some sort of bubble, all those sorts of things. So there's a little bit better a little bit, uh, you know, more confidence, I guess, in being able to, to execute that. Um, but also, like like I said, you just talk about, well, throw in the fact that we just got through the holiday season and, and numbers have surged. I mean, it was just last week we had the highest number of deaths in this country yet. Mm-hmm. Things are actually worse now than they were back in the late summer and the fall. So that's, you know, one problem. But then just like I mentioned, when it comes to football, we're already, it's 2021 now. The calendar has flipped over. Uh, there is a 2021 season looming eight months away, nine months away, whatever it is. And, if you, you know, I just think if you look at it, I know everyone's desperate to play football and especially the kids themselves who had to to miss the 2020 season, who have been sitting here for over a calendar year without playing football. They're chomping at the bit to go. Um, but if you play, I mean, they're going to try to play eight games. You know, Indiana State bailing, that drops it down to seven if say Western Illinois and Missouri State drop out, all of a sudden you're down to five, and then and then who knows? You know, teams try and scramble to make some of them up, play somebody twice, do whatever they can do. Let's say you play a six-game schedule this spring, you still, like I said, have this very short turnaround before you've got to get ready for the following season, and that's the thing that every coach is the most worried about. They're not worried about, or I shouldn't say they're not worried about, but they're less worried about the COVID side of it and keeping kids from getting infected and, and managing that and, and doing the isolation and quarantine and all that stuff. They're worried about the overall general health and safety of their kids making that comeback in a short period of time. Then, like I said, you throw in schools like, like say an Indiana state or Missouri state who are hemorrhaging money just by having football to begin with. And this is almost like a get out of jail free card. It's like, yeah. Hey, you don't have to pay your bills this year. Don't play any games. Yep. So it just all adds up to where, like I said, you know, all through the, f- the fall, we we're like, no, we're going to have it. We're going to have it. So it's tempting to, to, to adopt that same mindset this time. But we ended up being wrong last time. And so I just kind of have this feeling that that's where we might be headed again. Yeah, it just seems like a real drag. Uh, the, the COVID protocol stuff, period. And uh, you and I have talked to plenty of teams and coaches now who go through that. It's a lot more intense and rigid uh, and monitored in the college ranks than it is in the high schools um but 
Okay, and I, you know, are the players that enthused? I guess they are to play. Would they be that enthused with a five or six game schedule and a not all completely league schedule, and it does all kind of feel more like an exhibition? I don't know. Are they are they able to recover truly just fine uh, from (laughs) from March and April to August? I I I I don't know. They've never tried that before, so I don't know if they would know. Um, and, uh, do coaches really want to, uh, you know, hammer, hammer things out? They probably wouldn't have very physical practices and, you know, overall football's gotten a lot less physical in practice at all levels, uh, the last several years. Anyway, I, I, if you have basically what amounts to an exhibition season in the spring, then I would think you would really go light on the practices does, and how much does that, how much worse does that make the football in the field? And is it worth the risk? It's just a real, what a. Just what a pissy situation. <laughs> As I said, it's it, it's good to talk about this because I think fans, some fans are interested and excited or just want to know if it's going to happen or not. But wow, um, I, you know, sorry to, sorry to put my sad pants on here. I don't know what else to say. Well, and it almost feels like the more you look at it, the more you sort of back up and look at it from a big picture standpoint, Yeah, the more what the NSIC teams appear to be doing seems like the way to go rather than trying to squeeze in uh, a spring season and, you know, try to, to cling to this. We didn't cancel the year, you know, the, the division two model that some of these schools appear to be adopting is basically just saying 2020 is a wash. It yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. You know, it was, it's like, uh, you know, a strike year, a lockout, something like that. It's just like, it sucks. It, it, it costs everyone a season and nobody loves that. But now we're getting, you know, sent for 2021 and the 2021 season will start on time and it'll be just like any other season has. And it won't be coming two or three months after this truncated, weird, abbreviated uh, spring season. Um, and then and, you know, the, the one good thing out of this, and it doesn't necessarily solve. Everyone, in fact, it certainly doesn't solve anyone's problems. But at the very least, every kid is given a, a mulligan as far as eligibility. You know, anyone who is a senior in 2020 can come back for another year if they want, if you're, you know, no one is losing that year. Now that's not necessarily helpful to seniors because if you're not, you know, planning on playing pro ball or whatever, you're not getting a full ride scholarship, you kind of got to move on with your life. So those kids definitely get screwed and I don't want to minimize that. Um, But that, I think in the long run, that's going to look like the best scenario to just say, Hey, this sucks, but we didn't have football in 2020. Let's go forward and try to make 21 back, back to what we're used to and making it a great season. Uh, And I think that's the fear on the FCS side or any league that's trying to do spring football is, are we going to end up creating more problems than we solve by trying to force it, by insisting, demanding that we have something to show for the 2020 year rather than just punting on it? Yeah, and these are big groups of people. These are a lot of football players, and I know the coaches and players are doing everything they can uh, from the COVID side. I mean, let's face it. Yes, we're supposedly getting uh, mass amounts of vaccinations by whatever, the spring, by May, and good. So for football season in the fall, excellent. Hopefully. Should be good. Yeah, yeah, we should all be good. We should all be feeling better as a species, as a country. But we're not we're not out of the woods yet. So I was thinking about you when I was on the road in Fayette, Iowa, a population of 1,500 with one hotel, which was a decent hotel. But I go in there, and um, you know, it, it looked and seemed clean right when I walked in. And uh, they had a pool, which usually I like to use the pools. If there's not a lot of people around, I like to swim. Uh, I like hot tubs. But uh, 
And but the like when I checked in after the game on Saturday night, like eight or eight thirty, there was I'm not kidding you about seven. It was people who you me or you would probably, especially if they're strangers, you probably wouldn't want to swim in a pool or sit in the hot tub. And they were they had been drinking, and there were a couple kids there, and they're just and they're just walking right from the hotel. They just got out of the or the 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 pool and hot tub, and they're walking around, and they didn't really dry themselves off. They're not wearing shirts. Their swim trunks are dripping, and you know, most most years, most of our lives, we're like, well, that's what happens in hotels, right? But I was kind of like, okay, well, cross the pool out of, off the list. <laughs> Even if I uh, thought, okay, it's chlorine, it's safe. I mean, I, I would you go in there? I, you know, it's well, it's weird because like they some of the things you think would be the most disgusting. They yeah. tell you like actually the science says these are some of the smarter things. Yeah. Like this summer, Jen and I took Arthur to an indoor pool. Uh, with like the water slides and stuff, which we never would have done until like someone told us like, yeah, yeah. no, actually that's relatively safe compared yes. to some of the other things you could be doing. Yeah. Uh, we went to Wild Water West once and there weren't that many people there. So it was pretty easy to stay away from everyone. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go to the grocery store and go through a busy aisle with my mask on and you're shoulder to shoulder with some fat guy who's not wearing a mask. And you just kind of think to yourself, did I just get COVID right now? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. But then I also wonder like, have I already had it? And I didn't even know. Cause I've, you know, some people it hardly affects them. And yes, you know, there've been a few times over the months that I've had a little cough or whatever. And you, you just, this is, this yeah. is a weird thing. I mean, we've never, you just, nobody knows anything. And I just, you know, I can't wait to get the thing in the mail telling me it's your turn to get vaccinated. Cause I'm sick of it. Yeah. No kidding. Me too. And, uh, so I just didn't go in the pool even the next morning when there was nobody in the pool, like prime time. I was kind of like, eh, you know, they, it is one of these hotels that had the, one of those breakfast buffets and a lot of, the, a lot of hotels who had hot breakfast buffets, like, you know, you'd have eggs and biscuits and gravy and all that shit waffles. Uh, are for at least for a few months. And again, I haven't been staying in hotels for a while. My husband no longer works in one, but I guess some hotels would do the like, the, the ones that offered breakfast as part of your rate. Now they do these, you know, sacks where they give you a piece of fruit and a granola bar or something like, something to go. Uh, mine wasn't doing it. They had the buffet and I just, I, and I looked and there were about 10 or 15 people down there in that conversary uh, at the buffet. None of them were wearing masks. And for a moment, I'm like, these, what's wrong with these people? Don't they have concern for other humans? And then I'm thinking, well, they're eating. I mean, you know, when we go to, rest, when we right. go to restaurants, we're not wearing our masks while we eat. So uh, they're not assholes. They're fucking eating. But it was just enough just to see a scene of 10 people near a buffet of food to go, I'm not eating that at the, I'm not, I'm not going to eat there. And I paid, and I paid for this, and I usually am, am happy, even if it's not really good food, to have whatever breakfast a hotel offers me. But twenty uh, Fayette, Iowa, or anywhere in uh, January of twenty twenty one, I actually had two cans of Hormel chili. That's how pathetic my <laughs> saved a bunch of money and a lot of protein and low fat and high fiber too. But that's that's how I rolled. That's how I partied. Uh, um, Should I go flush the toilet again? <laughs> it had to be appropriate right about now. <laughs> I was actually really worried because I didn't eat the breakfast, and I'm like, there are really no place. It's Fayette hundred has Fayette, Iowa has fifteen hundred people. It had one sandwich shop at a gas station, and uh, which where I ate after the game on Sunday. Uh, but it had no, no bars. I went for a run. There was nothing in their little downtown open. So yeah, I'm glad I brought two cans of chili with me on the road. And I actually thought to myself. 
you know, as convenient and again, reasonably nutritious as this is, do I want to do this before I go call a basketball game? Because I have <laughs> nowhere, I have nowhere to escape to uh, if I'm on the air calling a game and, you know, I, yeah, I got to go. I can't, I can't do that. So there's, there's something weird in it. There's something weird and magical, though, about um, about our craft. Like I, I like to go just to get up and move at halftime, but I know a lot of broadcasters at every level who they just they won't they won't go for an entire game. And for the most part, when you're on the air, you're not even you're not thinking about how you have to go. You're so engrossed in what you're what you're doing. But anyway, so that was my little personal slice of the world. And uh, so let's actually talk about actual basketball since it is going on. Uh, for one, yes, USF, both men's and women's teams are uh, top 25 caliber teams in the country and competitors for Northern Sun Division and perhaps league titles, and they've won all their games. Men are 4-0, women are 2-0. Uh, we, could, we, could get, we could get into that in the back end of it, but you're, you're keeping up with the Jacks, and you talk about both programs. Uh, they had Western Illinois at home. You should go 4-0 combined with those teams, but... Uh, it, it seemed pretty resounding the way they're they're both playing. Yeah, for the most part, uh, Western's women are usually pretty decent, and they hung around, you know, as well as they could against a Jacks team that's obviously top twenty-five caliber. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from the women's games, <clears throat> aside from Aaron Johnson getting his five hundredth win on Friday, which is a nice milestone for him, uh, was just how good Maya Selland was, and then particularly on Saturday. Uh, 29 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, four steals. I mean, she's playing at a really high level. And as AJ said today in his midweek press conference deal, he's like, you know, there's a lot of players around the country who are elite at one or two or three skills, you know, a great scorer, a great defender, whatever. But he's like, you know, you can put her up against just about any player in the country as far as being an elite scorer, rebounder, passer, defender, ball handler, all of it. I mean, she's definitely, I think, the most versatile player in the Summit League and probably one of the most versatile players in the country. And that's what she was shaping up to be early in her career. But, you know, she was sharing the spotlight with Macy Miller and Madison Giebert. And then, uh, you know, the last couple of years, she hasn't been fully 100% healthy. So I think we all kind of forgot just how good she was capable of being. And now she's 100% again or close to it. And she's reminding us all like, yeah, no, I'm I'm that level of player. I'm not just a a good player. This is a, a Macy Miller caliber player. And that's why the Jacks are, you know, in a year where it kind of looked like USD had overtaken them for the top of the conference. Uh, you can't count them out. I, I, this could have been the lead. This could have been the, the absolute top topic. If we really wanted to be like a radio show and let's just get, get the, let's get the hot lead out there. Cause uh, Noah Friedel returns. He's one of the best players in the league. We all know he punched Stanley Amude in the junk and Eric Henderson suspended him. Uh, for a game, and you wrote a big column about this today, just a few hours ago, actually. Um, but we're also commenting on, on it on Twitter because you did you didn't know if you were going to see Friedel, who missed the Mount Marty game, but would he actually miss a couple of real uh, one or two real league games? And look, uh, you probably read a lot of the remarks and get a lot of remarks from Coyote fans. I think they've probably had a real nice party with all this and are enjoying it and can't wait until there's going to be a lot of fans back in the arenas when Friedel comes down to the SCSC in Vermillion. But, uh, but, but 
I, USD fans and and SDSU fans for that matter too. It's it's kind of hard to knock the way Eric Henderson went about this. Yeah, I think uh, he went above and beyond. I think you know, first of all, he didn't have to spend him at all. You know, it was a flagrant two foul. He got ejected. Um, there's no rule that says he has to be suspended after that. And uh, you know, I I wasn't sure what he was going to do. The fact that they had a one month layoff as I wrote in my column today, kind of gave him a convenient way to say, you know, it's been a month and just sort of let it blow over and not suspend him. Then they add the Mount Marty game. And that gives him kind of another convenient way to like, Oh, I'll suspend him for this game. That doesn't matter. And I can say I suspended him and we'll still have him for all the game. I kind of expected him to do that. And I wouldn't have held it against him if he did. Um, he, like I said, he's not obligated to do anything. Um, you could definitely tell though, that there were some USD fans, some NDSU fans, um, and just general, you know, people who like to bitch about stuff who were really waiting to pounce, you know, on on Hendo or the Jacks in general, you know, for underplaying this or whatever. And then I heard in the middle of the week last week, but before the games played, I heard a rumor that Friedel had already been told he was suspended for both games, that it would end up he'd sit the whole weekend. It would be a three game suspension and he wouldn't be allowed to come back until this weekend's games against Omaha, which incidentally have been canceled now. So it would have you know, been an even longer layoff for him. Well, so he sits out on Friday, a conference game, and you're kind of thinking, OK, that's it. Two game suspension. And that's what it turned out to be. But even after that game, when we asked Hendo, OK, is that it? And he's like, no, not necessarily. He was still kind of, whether he had made up his mind or not, uh, he was still letting Noah kind of, you know, twist in the wind a little bit. I think he wanted him, you know, to feel it. To, I don't think he wanted Noah to feel like, okay, I've served my served my time and now it's over. He wanted him to still, you know, be uncertain about it and feel like he was, you know, being held accountable. And I think ultimately two games plus, you know, he was uh, ejected for the second half of the USD game. And then you factor that he basically had to go a month without playing. I don't think anyone, I mean, there was a couple people in, on Twitter. I, one guy who said he should have been suspended for the rest of the year. It's like, okay, yeah, gotcha. But I mean, for the most part, I think people on all sides kind of agree that what he did was shitty and that Hendo handled it the right way. Um, the, the punishment fit the crime. And now that, it's been, it's done. It's over. Let him come back and play. And if he can, you know, keep his nose clean the rest of the way. Cool. Everyone wins. And they looked really good by the way. I mean, uh, yeah. he, but Hendo, Hendo, I'll, I'll get back to a quick anecdote. Hendo made him shit blood basically for a little bit. Uh, it, it, it's a term like I remember uh, a while ago, I'd been in Lincoln for about a year. Uh, and I had a, I had a program director, my boss who part of partly hired me who was 23 and just out of college and kind of a boy wonder. And he's one of my best friends now out of the business, by the way. Anyway, weird situation. Cause I had, a, you know, I, I had a lot more years under my belt and I, I really liked the kid, but he was trying really hard to be an enforcer because he didn't want to feel like, you know, he's a, He's uh, he's a little kid and we're stepping all over him, you know, and right. so he uh, I, I did something he didn't like on the air and uh, he and he was he was just he was a real micromanager at first. He was a real control freak. And uh, we were a brand new radio station. He wanted his airwaves to sound good. And if he didn't like something I was saying or something sounded, God forbid, something I do sound sloppy. Never. Uh, and I and, and so I 
I text. I was on a golf course after a show after the show one day, like four o'clock in the afternoon, because uh, my show was during the midday, and he wouldn't. He just wouldn't. I, I, there was something that he was just pissed about, and I. Uh, I, I had a nasty remark with the with the f bomb involved in my response, and I thought I, I thought I kind of could do this because I was already kind of friends with him, and I didn't really feel like this was a true formal like employer employee relationship. But he took mm-hmm. offense to it. He went to our GM slash co owner who'd been in radio for fifty years, and uh, like, what do I do about this? Should I fire John? Because in a lot of companies, you'd get fired for saying this to your boss. And uh, the old guy just said, make him shit blood. Don't say anything. Just make him think he's going to get fired. (laughs) And it worked because I like relentlessly texted him uh, the rest of that evening and he never texted back. And then I come to work the next day and I find out I'm there and uh, but uh, learned my lesson. And and Friedel apparently did, too, because he didn't take any time to, to ball right out. He didn't have any rest, did he? No, he looked great. Um, it, well, I shouldn't say he didn't have any rust. He, he was kind of the first few minutes he was in there. He looked a little unsure of himself, a little tentative. Um, and then once he got going, he took off and had a really terrific game, even by his standards. Um, and I think another thing that if you're a Jacks fan, you're looking for is you want to see, you know, some contrition, um, some acknowledgement, some ownership of what happened, and you want to see him. You know, not you don't want to see uh, the guy that got in trouble their last game, and I think it was telling that he kept his emotions in check the whole game, and then afterward, you know, I didn't even know if they were going to make him available for post game presser. They did, no, and with no stipulations or questions asked or anything, and you know, I asked him about it, and he, like I said in my column today, he didn't try to overdo it and and impress everyone with showing how contrite he was or apologizing, and he also didn't. You know, he could easily have ducked the question and said, I don't want to talk about it or yeah. given a short answer. And, you know, he just addressed it head on. He said, yeah, I screwed up and I'm trying to move on and I appreciate what Hendo did and, you know, we're moving forward. So I think if you're the Jacks, when you look at this thing, big picture, best case scenario, you know, he was suspended two games. He was given an appropriate punishment. Hendo sent the message that he's not going to put up with stuff like that, that he's not going to give special treatment to the best players on his team. Uh, they still won the two games that they didn't have him for, and now he's back and appears to be. I mean, I think it's way too early to say, "Oh, he's a changed man or a changed player," but he at least looks like a guy who understands that's what the expectation is going to be. Um, and I, you know, I I would never, as I worded it to Hendo when we were talking the other day, you never want to say, "Oh, remember that time he punched Stanley Amude? That ended up being the best thing that ever happened to him." That's a stupid way to put it because yeah. you should never punch yeah. people. Yes, but I do think it's possible that if Noah ends up having a very good career and doesn't have any more um, disciplinary issues of any kind going forward, you could look back at this weekend and say that was the turning point for him. That was when he finally got it. And I think uh, if that's how it plays out, I think Hendo deserves an awful lot of credit uh, for steering him in the right direction. Well, and they throttle Western Illinois pretty good. They're rocking and rolling. They're looking more like the favorite that they are in the league for men's hoops and, and the women as well. Well, actually, USD women are still looking pretty. They they think they won that game by sixty uh, over the weekend, um, but now there's no games for the men to play this weekend in Omaha. So, what's the latest on that? Are they going to try to make up a game with Omaha? Can they play? Are they going to try uh, to play between now and next? Or yeah, next I, I weekend? Don't, I, don't, I don't know what their options are. I yeah. mean, they've got ten days before their next game. I mean, maybe you can talk a 
an NAIA team or maybe, I mean, there's cancellations in the NSIC every week too. So that might be their best option is, you know, call a Southwest state or a Minot state or somebody that's had, had games taken away and said, Hey, will you come to frost for a Wednesday night, you know, yeah. exhibition for you guys will count it. You know, I don't know if money gets exchanged in situations like that, how that works, but that's probably their best case scenario. It sucks for them because, you know, if they had a month off, they get the bye to start conference play. They finally get to come back and play, and then they get another week off. Yeah, and they play great. Uh, just, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's the timing is obviously it's not good for anyone, but it's especially bad for them. Yeah, and I think you know, it's it's more or less. I haven't heard any official confirmation on exactly what happened, but it is basically out there that this was an Omaha thing. It wasn't the Jacks that had a, a positive test that had a COVID issue. Uh, and that's frustrating too, because not not by any means suggesting that Omaha is is fudging anything or doing anything goofy, but they're 0 and 4. So what do they yeah. care? You know, they're, yep. they're 2 and 12 overall, 0 and 4. Their season's not going anywhere. So what you have to worry about is these teams whose seasons are are already over, essentially, who know they're not going anywhere, getting sloppy with this and saying, oh, you know, someone tested positive. Well, who gives a shit? We suck anyway. Just cancel the games. You know, the Jacks are playing for something. They're in the hunt for the NCAA tournament, and they still got to play some more shitty teams. They've got to play Denver. They've got to play, you know, yeah. whoever else is left on the schedule. Um, and that, you know, that's something that could continue to be a problem, obviously not just with the Jacks, for anyone else. If teams, you know, become less diligent about this because they're like, oh, whatever, we're not, you know. I, I think we talked about it last week or the week before. Chicago State. Um, started the year with nine straight road games. They were all money games that they they traveled. Someone paid them to travel there. They went 0-9, and then as soon as those nine games were over, they opted out of the season and claimed that it was, we're ah, worried about the ah, safety of our athletes. Ah, like, oh, ah, really? You went ah, out and collected nine paychecks and then canceled the season with an 0-9 record. I mean, how shameless can you be? Oh, that's great. Uh, but, that's, but that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about here. Yeah. Something that you got to worry about a little so, bit. So you know what you're going to cover instead this weekend? I I'm just going to spend the whole weekend, the whole week working on other stuff. Yeah. Okay. You can go cover the USF women. They're really good. Uh, they didn't practice all week. You know, they had their first weekend of games canceled due to COVID protocols in Bismarck. And then uh, they, uh, they, they, and that set back the quarantining set back their, their games with upper Iowa for Saturday and Sunday. And uh, they didn't get to practice until Friday. And they looked outstanding in Upper Iowa. It's kind of been the doormat of the league for a while, but they're a lot better. Uh, so they looked good. So they had something in common with the Cleveland Browns, the uh, the Cougar women. Just, uh, maybe, I guess if you're good enough, or so there's something to it, or if, I guess in, in the Browns' case, the other team just snaps the ball over the quarterback's head on the first play of the game and gives you a touchdown. Uh, you know, sometimes you can have a lack of practice and still some, somehow come out and look good and win. Um, are you, uh, are you, are you at all, uh, still, I, I saw, I think I tweeted that you were rooting for the Browns. Are you, are you rooting for them to beat the, the chiefs? Absolutely. I think, uh, is, is obviously it, it can't, it, it might, <laughs> it obviously can't happen, but the best case scenario for me would be a Browns bills super bowl. That's kind of how, uh, nice. you know, it's the, the two long suffering, I guess if that's what you want to say. I'm all on board. I've always kind of been a Bills fan. I, I liked him. Yeah. The Super Bowl teams back in the 90s. I love Jim Kelly. I love Marv Levy. Those were a couple of my favorites from my childhood. Sure. So it's fun to see them be finally good again. And then the Browns just, I mean, 
it's easy to root for them, everything that they've been through the last few years. And it's kind of a, I don't know. They're not like, I've never been a Cubs fan. I never bought into that lovable losers thing. And I don't care about the lions or some of those other ones, but for whatever reason, the Browns have almost been so pathetic over the years <laughs> that, that I don't know, has made them more sympathetic to me, but I really enjoyed what they did watching what they did to the Steelers sure. the other night. I did so, too. Yeah. I'm just hopeful one of those two comes out of the AFC. Right. I can't root for Cleveland. I'm uh, not going to do that. I'm going to, I think I'm going to go uh, root for the chiefs on that one. Uh, since I've been doing it since I was eight, even though you questioned the, uh, the, the sincerity, authenticity, the authenticity yeah. and well, that's for another time. Uh, by the <laughs> way, um, so uh, big Ben's done though. And he looked terrible. Do you think this is the end of the fat guy, Babe Ruth type of, who who don't necessarily watch their bodies or don't seem to be too meticulous in their preparation. Uh, Favre was kind of like that, although he wasn't as big and fat uh, as as Big Ben was. But do you think that kind of well, quarterback? Do you think it's over for those Babe Ruth type of quarterbacks? Because I, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd characterize Ben that way. I mean, I know he is now at the end of his career, but yeah. you know, even though he's big, he spent most of his career as a pretty mobile guy he was who could move around yes he did yeah, now he's right. just old yeah you know i mean it's funny i was thinking about that watching this uh alabama's quarterback last night and i was like man that guy's pretty good um but could he work in the nfl you know he didn't seem like he moves around real well and he's surrounded by you know he's got the best player in the nation at almost every position around him so i don't know i mean it's you know you and i grew up watching guys like Dan Marino and Vinny Testaverde and these guys that absolutely could not move at all. Um, but you, they just protected them in a way that yeah. made it so you could do that. And, you know, could Dan Marino even play in the NFL today? I don't know if he could, you know, <laughs> I mean, I can't remember watching Marino. I mean, he, he didn't throw a ton of interceptions, but when he did, I remember he threw like a quick out in one game that was like one of those pick sixes where the minute he lets go of the ball, you know, it's going to be intercepted because yeah. the corner jumps the route. And he like, he didn't even, he didn't even walk after the guy. <laughs> like, he, the, the guy picked off the pass and Marino just turned around and walked towards the side. <laughs> I, I remember being like kind of pissed, like offended at the way a high school coach is, yeah. you know, like, you know, what are you doing? Give me your, but also like, of course, like, it's not like he was going to catch him. Yeah. But also just the, the, the fact that Marino just had this totally like, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's, <laughs> Pick six. It's Go over. Yeah. I'm going back to the sidelines for the next play. Like <laughs> uh, guys like that don't really exist anymore. Yeah, you know that, that those guys weren't ever really that fun to watch. I guess. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, so time's winding down. My battery's dying, um, and that's Good. fine because we're because we're near the end of the hour. Uh, I saw you tweet something like Lasorda. Yeah, it's always nice to hear somebody wants to be done with something like this. <laughs> uh, real glad to have this partnership we got going on. It's six uh, o'clock. We were supposed to start at four thirty. It's My true. family is hungry. It's true. Okay. Do you, any so anything? Any words about Tommy Lasorda? That got shoved under the rug because of uh, there's a lot of it sports really going on. There's a lot of sports going on. And of course, the whole thing in Washington happened. So yeah, I was. Kind kind of disappointed that that didn't get more attention because i mean he was i mean to say a larger than life character doesn't even quite do it i yeah. mean he i love tommy lasorda and Who i was never didn't? a dodgers fan yeah. i just thought he was hilarious yep. and a great ambassador for the game um you know steve shirley former canaries manager uh played for him wow and i was i kind of thought about giving steve a call just to ask him for some lasorda memories and stories but I noticed, you know, Steve's somewhat active on Facebook, and he didn't post anything on Facebook about it. So oh. maybe, maybe he didn't like him. Maybe he didn't have very 
There's, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that don't like him um, for uh, a variety well, of reasons. Well, he did seem like kind of an asshole, but a lovable asshole right. and uh, a character, you know, whatever. And uh, the, the wrestling around and punching the Philly fanatic, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so anyway, I had, so I really liked him as well. I was kind of a Dodger fan for like the two or three years in the late 80s and uh like they're like my national league team and that was just i was eight and nine and didn't know what to do mm-hmm. so anyway but i love lasorda and uh so i had a dream about him the other night which probably because he died and he was in the news so it's real quick for some reason tommy lasorda was coming to iowa and i was in iowa probably because i had just been spending the weekend in iowa but it's the summertime some course out in, in a rural place in iowa and tommy lasorda is like at this big golf outing he's the big star right and uh-huh. I got lucky enough to play with him. And an old radio buddy of mine is like with the radio station that got Tommy Lasorda there. So, and again, I had stayed with this radio buddy in Minnesota the week before. So it's all kind of connecting with stuff that had recently been going on with me. But so my buddy Greg was like, I'll get you in. And I was like, okay, okay. And so I played with Tommy Lasorda. And after like <laughs> one hole, Tommy tees off big gallery first hole. And then Greg's like, okay, actually, Tommy's just going to tee off and uh, he's going to hit it into the woods. And he's probably not going to play the rest of the round. He just wants to go back and drink somewhere. So, and, and like, and then they asked me to be his like four caddy to go look for his ball for him. And I'm like, what am I doing? I thought I was going to play golf and hang out with Tommy Lasorda. And so anyway, like Tommy hits one shot and then he hits another and then some, it's a dream. So fast forward and I am in like, we're at somebody's house and we're hanging out with Tommy Lasorda. And this is really cool. And for some reason, one of the ladies that I worked with in Medford, Oregon at a TV station, her name was Carice. I had just seen a thing on Facebook, one of those Facebook memories on me on the TV set when I was like 23 in Medford. So that's how th- that, this gets into the dream. So it's me and Greg and Carice. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not, I don't get to golf with Tommy, but we're drinking with him now. And Tommy's like, hey, John, you want to go get me another beer? And for some reason, I was like, I wanted to tell him a line because I was like, Carice is here. And Carice has one of the, like, this girl that I worked with, she was the producer of the newscasts, and she had this line, and I thought Tommy, as a leader of men, would love this line that Carice would always use on the news reporters. She would say, "Get." she'd basically say, get out of the newsroom. Go out there and go find something to cover. News doesn't happen in the newsroom. I'm sure you've heard that at the Argus maybe a time or two. And, but I, w- I was like trying to deliver this line, which is really not that clever or funny, but I thought Tommy Lasorda would really like it. And I started, you know what I like? And I would start to say, you know what I, you know what I remember about Carice? One of my favorite lines of all time. And Tommy would be like, that'd be great. But yeah, can you go get me a beer, please? Like he, <laughs> Tommy didn't want to hear this line that wouldn't have really uh, struck a, you know, any sort of chord with him anyway. And that was the other thing. I feel like that's this, this, that's a microcosm for this story you're in the middle of telling. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> I'll just leave you with that, John. <laughs> That's a good way to end it, Matt. Thank you so much. <laughs> Our hour is over and my phone is dead. So, bye. Goodbye. There he goes. The one, the only Matt Zimmer. Just kind of hanging up on me, as I'm sure the rest of you would like to do. But, you know, he wouldn't be able to do that with me if we were still doing these podcasts at the Gateway in person. I guess he could just get up and go and leave, as many of you would want to as well when you're around me. But hopefully someday we talked about those vaccinations. We talked about getting back to normal. We'll be there again soon. Matt's been very careful during the pandemic about where he goes. So I respect that, but remind you that the Gateway is open and it has delicious food. It has some of the best pizza I've had in town, best chicken wings, 
Matt loves the beef chislick, or did when he went there, and will again someday. It'll taste that good because it has been so long since he had had it. All kinds of brews on tap. The great thing is it's the definition of a friendly neighborhood bar, and it just happens to be as good as it gets when you want to go watch a bunch of sporting events unfold all at one time. NFL Sundays, as we get into March Madness, that kind of thing. You won't have a better bar kind of theater setup. And the, the good news you know, there are people like Matt, and then there are people like my buddy Mike Henriksen, who is also quite COVID careful pre-vaccinations here. But I've noticed him tweeting about going to the Gateway. He loves the bar anyway. He's had a long relationship with it as well and uh, likes to go out on their patio. Their outdoor patio has got heating lamps, so you can go out there. And uh, if you just want to hang out there the whole time because you just don't want to be indoors because you don't feel the best indoors. Cool. They've got an outdoor patio. And so even very COVID conscious Mike Henriksen's going out there uh, uh, every now and then. And that's that's awesome. So they've got options. Plus, if you still just don't want to go eat at restaurants yet, and trust me, the restaurant industry is suffering because of this, but you could still support a local business and get takeout from the Gateway because, as we've mentioned, their food is sensational. And local waitresses, waiters, they're all called servers, uh, they would just they would love your support. Jackson and the crew, they do a lot for charity. It's just a good, good place to be a part of, and I can't wait to do podcasts from there once we're in the clear. For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. We'll talk next week on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Casino round drinks? Yes.